You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Um, and today's show is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, uh, our listeners here at Lockdown Wolves can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. That's any premium Indochino suit for $369 at Indochino.com when you enter Locked On at checkout. Today, we're going to dive into the Sports Illustrated Top 100 player list that was released uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, it's an annual list that they do at SI.com. Um, ranking the top 100 players in the league. And um, the Timberwolves went from five players on last year's list to four on this year's list. Um, obviously, this is the sort of ranking that's always a little bit controversial, but that's kind of what it's all about. And what else are we going to talk about endlessly in August and September? Um, as we're close to mid-September now and close to real basketball, but perfect timing to get into some uh, some arguments about the top 100 players in the league. Um, as mentioned, the Wolves have four guys on the list. Uh, we'll take a look at each of those players, where they fell on the list, and um, some of the players that are ranked around them, especially at their respective positions. Last season, the Wolves had five guys on the list. Um, three of them are still on the Timberwolves and on the list again this year. The two that aren't, one of them is obviously Jimmy Butler. The other was Taj Gibson, who clocked in at number 83 a year ago. Both are no longer on the Wolves, of course. And two of the three Timberwolves who remained on the list, plus the one new Timberwolf who wasn't on the list as a Wolf last fall, slid backwards from the ranking a year ago. So we'll talk about their ranking previously, their current ranking, and uh, my thoughts on where they're ranked this season compared to the players around them at their respective positions. So uh, we'll jump right in with the lowest ranked Wolf on the list, who also happens to be number 100 and the... I guess, lower, lowest ranked player overall on the list, um, and that's Andrew Wiggins. Um, last season, Wiggins managed to be ranked number 74, I believe. Yeah, number 74 last season, despite the previous year, the 2017-18 campaign being the worst year of his career, um, which, of course, was Jimmy Butler's only full season in Minnesota. Wiggins had a miserable season that year. And yet still ranked at number 74 12 months ago when SI rela- released their uh, their 2019 edition of the list. Here in the 2020 edition, he dropped 26 spots and is ranked number 100. Um, I would argue that his season last year was actually slightly better overall than the previous year, which got him the number 74 ranking. Still a disappointing year and probably the second worst of his career. Um, the shooting percentages we've talked about at length on this podcast, they uh, were not good. And he overall was a net negative player. He was up and down on defense once again, not consistent really anywhere. However, his rebounding um, and his, I guess, overall interest in, in playing hard, which in turn leads to better rebounding numbers, improved pretty significantly. Um, just to the to the naked eye, it was pretty clear that Wiggins was trying a little bit harder, was more consistently crashing the boards, was more consistently being decisive, especially on the glass, instead of just kind of hanging out, you know, um, I think my I, the most obvious thing that Wiggins has done wrong in his career that he could fix and get an extra at least two rebounds per game is when he contests a shot on the perimeter, he often will just 
kind of hang out. He doesn't turn around and crash the glass. He doesn't box out his man. He doesn't even, a lot of the times, release down the floor to try and get a, a you know, a, a fast break bucket, which, about, you know, depending on the team's philosophy, at times in the past he would release down the floor, but he doesn't even always do that now. Um, and I think he did start at least being decisive instead of just lingering on the perimeter um, after contesting a jumper on defense. He started crashing the glass. Um probably at least once a game Timberwolves fans are used to seeing a ball, a long rebound bounce off the rim, land somewhere near the free throw line and, and Wiggins not quite get there in time before a defender does because he was just hanging out near the three point line where he had just contested the shot. It seemed like after Saunders took over last season, Wiggins at least was more interested in, in crashing the glass or again, at least being decisive. Um, and his rebounding numbers did increase after the transition from Tom Thibodeau to Ryan Saunders at head coach. Um, it's been well documented that Wiggins and Saunders are good friends. Um, and Saunders has been a Wolves assistant for all of Wiggins career. So there's certainly some extra motivation there. And I think there's certainly some hope from Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves president of basketball ops, that that relationship will continue to help Wiggins grow, um, in the upcoming season. And, and is at least partially the reason why Rosas hasn't pulled the trigger on a Wiggins trade to this point. Um, so all that to say, I think the number 100 ranking, if I were doing a one, top 100 list, I would not have Wiggins in my top 100 players in the league. Um, I think that there's still some, this uh, overall idea that Wiggins could still improve, which which he can. He's only 24. It's just seeming less and less likely by the year. And this is probably the third year in a row I've said this is his last chance to really improve before he is what he is. Um, you know, he's now a year or two past where DeMar DeRozan kind of figured it out, whereas early in his career, DeRozan was an inefficient player heavily relying on the mid-range game which he still is he's just better than he was then um and Wiggins is now past that point so here's hoping that yet another new coach another front office some a little bit of a new supporting cast can help Wiggins turn things around and and he if if he doesn't I mean he's not going to be in the top 100 next year just with the uh the addition of so many other good young players every year to the league. So he does crack the 100. Um, I would not put him in my top 100. Um, but that said, his year still did cause him to slip a little bit in the overall rankings. Next up is Jeff Teague, the Timberwolves starting point guard, of course. Um, last season was easily the worst season of his career, and it did see him take a rather precipitous drop in the Sports Illustrated top 100 players list. He was ranked number 58 headed into last season, dropped to number 87 this year. So if you're scoring at home, that's a 29 spot drop for Teague. And really, it could have been a little bit steeper. It appears as though Sports Illustrated chose not to dock him too much for the bevy of injuries that Teague dealt with last season. Um, he only played in 42 games, the least number of games in his career. We've talked uh, previously on when we dove a little bit into the depth chart at point guard for the Timberwolves on this podcast that... Uh, Teague really just had the worst season of his career all the way around. He did average a career high in assists at 8.2 per game, and that's noted at the Sports Illustrated um, in the blurb that they did about Teague um, for the article. And also interesting mentioned by Sports Illustrated was the improvement that other Timberwolves players saw in their, um, in their true shooting numbers with Teague on the floor. I think that there's certainly some noise there, but you have to put some stock into the point guard on the floor with the players that are shooting the ball and what impact that could have on their true shooting percentage. So for instance, sports illustrated points out 
Towns had a had a 2.4% increase in his true shooting mark with Teague on the floor, and Covington's was 6% higher. Um, so for whatever that's worth, in limited number of games, I mean, I don't have the number in front of me, but Teague and Covington probably played less than 20 games together, considering Covington only played 22 games with the Wolves before he got hurt, and Teague was on and off the floor throughout the season. But all that to say, Teague clearly did a good job passing the ball last year besides his at least once per game turnover on a on a careless entry pass which somehow he still hasn't figured out how to master in his what this will be his 11th year in the league so um but the biggest issue with Teague last year was his shooting he was hesitant from beyond the arc he averaged the least amount of three-point attempts per game um in his career since the 2011-12 season which was his third in the league and first as a full-time starter in Atlanta um he shot the just 2.5 threes per game and was only a 33.3 percent shooter from beyond the arc when he did launch from three. Um, another thing we've talked about a little bit here was his hesitancy to even shoot the ball from deep. He would often dribble into, into the mid-range, and he's a good mid-range shooter, and he would oftentimes knock those shots down. But the his unwillingness to shoot three-pointers affected the Wolves' floor spacing. Obviously, there's uh, less of uh, the point expectancy per shot goes down as he starts to shoot more mid-range jumpers, and other teams could play him differently, almost shades of when Ricky Rubio was the Wolves' point guard at times which is kind of crazy considering Teague for his career is a slightly above average three-point shooter. So here's hoping that that was largely due to his knee and ankle injuries last year um, that that continued to crop up and kept him off the floor and eventually shut him down for the the latter portion of the season. Um, If Teague's healthy, he needs to be able to shoot the three. And um, his injuries and his offensive issues uh, did cause him to slip on this list by 29 spots. He is entering a contract year and his age 31 season, so he's got one more shot. You know, he's making $19 million this year. He picked up his option. Um, he's not going to turn that money down, especially not off of last season. I think if he'd had a, a killer year, he may have explored the market looking for one more big deal. But at this point, he needs to have a good season, and I think that Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders are counting on that, and that's part of the reason why there hasn't been much noise uh, regarding them trying to shop him. Not that any team would be excited to take on his 19 million, but I think the wolves are, are they don't want to sell low. They, they think that they can get a great season out of Teague and a contract year. Perhaps that means the playoffs for the wolves and they'll take that. Maybe it means he plays well enough that they can move him at the trade deadline and um, get an asset or two back. Even, you know, at, at that prorated number, it wouldn't be crazy for a playoff team to add Jeff Teague to their rotation as a starter or as a backup and the Wolves could get an asset back for him if they're not going to make the playoffs. I think more likely they're hoping that he can help propel them to the playoffs in in one last kind of hurrah, and uh, then he'll probably walk in free agency next summer. But expect Teague to have a better season as long as he can stay on the floor, and he's going to be motivated to do so uh, based on that on the, uh, the aforementioned contract situation. Uh, next for the Wolves on this list, um, there's two more guys, um, and this next one is another player who dropped on the list but was not on the Wolves last fall when this list was released, um, and that's Robert Covington. Last year, he was number 48 on the list, um, ranked by Sports Illustrated, so uh, the quick math tells me that he dropped 14 spots, um, which is actually somewhat modest considering he only played in, I guess, 22 games for the Wolves. Um, I don't have in front of me what he played overall. Um Let's see, 22 games for the Wolves and a total of 35 games, 13 games for the Sixers, 22 for the Wolves. Um, he was great when on the floor until he got hurt. Um, was There was some conversation. If you go back and look at 
various blog posts and chatter from mid to late December last year, there was a conversation that wasn't insane that Robert Covington was the best or maybe top two or three perimeter defenders in the NBA, was making a case for Defensive Player of the Year, averaging over two steals a game, almost a block and a half um, per game was, you know, I think we were at a point where we were calling, you know, when a defensive player goes up and snatches the ball out of the air, doesn't just block the shot, but just takes it. That was affectionately being known as a Covington or a Rocco um, by uh, by the Timberwolves broadcast, at least on Fox Sports North. Um, it, it, I mean, Covington was just unbelievable on defense last year until he got hurt. He was also shooting a career best from three. Um, and in 35 games, that's a small sample size, but he was shooting 37.8% from three, um, you know, above league average, his best mark of his career, and was playing stellar defense. So uh, it was pretty disappointing to see him get hurt. I think the Wolves would have made a more serious run at a playoff spot. I certainly would have had he stayed healthy. Um, but the Wolves smartly shut him down as it was clear that they weren't going to make the playoffs. Um, there was some chatter that he was getting close to returning at, at one point. I think it was like late February, early March last year. Had a little bit of a setback, and the Wolves said, hey, we're out of it. Let's let's shut him down. He's going to be in his age 29 season, so headed towards the back half of his prime and still a couple years on his deal. So the Wolves, um, I mean, he's, he's pretty clearly the second best player on the Wolves after Carl Anthony Towns, and, and I guess this list also reflects that. Um, this list also talks about his, his ability on defense as, as clearly, you know, one of the best wing defenders in the league. Um, he, uh, he's going to start and Gerson Rosas has talked about starting him at the four this year. So that's still a possibility. Um, but he can guard two through four and, and can switch onto ones and even some fives without too much problem, uh, or without too much issue. Um, and, uh, outside of Rosas's comments, that Covington may play at the four and has played some of the best minutes of his career at power forward. Saunders is, um, according to Sports Illustrated, links to a quote from Saunders that, that says there's, quote, a strong possibility for Covington to start at the four. Um, so, I mean, he's going to keep doing what he does, uh, provided his knees are in a, in a good spot um, and that there was no severe long-term damage done. But the Wolves will, will look to capitalize on his 3 and D ability this year. Um, I think similar to Teague, um, I mean, Covington clearly has much more trade value than Teague. He's a bargain at, at what is it, roughly $10 million that he's making this year. Um, and so there's a strong chance that, that teams are going to come after the Wolves. Contenders are going to come after Covington to try to trade for him um, as the year wears on, especially if the Wolves are outside the playoff picture. I think Minnesota is thinking that they're going to, clearly, they're going to try and make a run at the playoffs. If they start the year hot and are in it and, and a fantastic offer doesn't come around. I think Covington stays on the Timberwolves. He's got such a great contract and he's the second best player on the team. Why would they not keep him? That said, if they're a 500 team or worse, maybe come December 15th even, which is that um, deadline for players that signed as free agents in the offseason when they're able to be traded, the Wolves may look at trading Covington if, if they can get a return. If it's something like, for instance, D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors, if the Warriors decide they're better off um, you know, getting a wing player to, to help out Steph Curry than playing him with D'Angelo Russell, Covington's a perfect complementary piece for a, a prospective championship team, somebody who has who has designs on going to the finals. Um, and on an affordable contract, you know that, that trade would make some sense. Um, so don't be shocked if, if that conversation happens. However, if the Wolves start hot, you know, if they're, if they're above 500, as we get close to the February trade deadline, expect the Wolves to hang on to Covington 
Rosas is smart. He knows that value. Um, and, and Covington won't, won't go anywhere in that instance, but there's, there's a few different ways that the Timberwolves could choose to go there. Um, similar to Teague, but again, with, with obviously more value, um, attached to Covington than there is with Teague. Um, so all that to say, Covington's clearly the second best player on the Wolves. His ranking overall in the NBA, it's, it's hard to quibble too much with number 64, were he healthy, I think he's a top 40 player, um, if not even better than that. But having been ranked last season at 48, I think he would have easily been in the top 40 this year if he'd finished out the season um, and played as he was for the first almost half of the season. Um, so good ranking there for Covington. If he has another good year this year, he's certainly a top 40, top 35 player as we head into uh, into next fall. The highest-ranked Timberwolves player on the SI Top 100 list is, of course, no surprise, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he last season was ranked on the on the SI list at number 19. He jumped up to number 13 this year, so the only Timberwolves player to rise in the rankings. He rose just six spots, um, and we'll take a look here in a minute at some of the players who outranked him. But it seems about right to put him at number 13. Um, of course, he didn't make an all-NBA team, which is the top 15 players. Positions play into that somewhat, of course. Um, so this ranking would put Towns in that top 15, clearly. But with the glut of good big men in the league, um, Towns did fall outside the all-NBA voting this season, which, of course, cost him a significant amount of money on his extension. His climb from 19 to 13 wouldn't have been possible without a really strong second portion of the season. He did start last year for the second straight year fairly slow for his standards, obviously still good, averaging into double-double fairly easily, being solid on defense, solid on offense, um, well, beyond solid on offense. He was he was still quite good, um, but he really turned it on in March. He tried to carry the Wolves to a playoff spot, and, and they just simply didn't have the horses at that point with Covington out. Teague struggling with injuries and then other on and off injuries, even to Towns himself with the car accident and, and a knee issue at the very end of the season. Um, you know, Towns and Wiggins had, had really never missed any games in their career. I think Wiggins had missed one previously, but they both got a little bit nicked up towards the end of the campaign. Um, Towns offensive numbers. I mean, his efficiency overall was just a little bit lower um, or a little bit not quite as impressive, I guess you could say as, as it had been in previous seasons. That said, Still off the charts. Um, you know, there was some conversation about, and there still should be conversation, about a, a 50, 40, 90 year from him after shooting 54%. Each of the first three years of his career, he was just shy of 52% last year. His three-point percentage went from 42.1 to just, just quote-unquote, 40%. Um, and his free throw percentage dipped ever so slightly as well. Uh, but was still the second best in his career out of four seasons. So 50, 40, 90 is not crazy um it was just two years ago he shot about 86 percent from the free throw line so still possible still on the table for towns um the article correctly calls towns the quote um uh it says uh excuse me uh towns is already the most complete offensive big in the nba um is the direct quote from the si article um and at just 23 years old he'll turn 24 here this fall um there's really no question that with his superior shooting skills, he's the best shooting big man in the league. Combine that with um, his touch around the rim, his quick first step, and long strides that get him to the rim quickly, his free throw shooting ability, um, and his, 
above average passing skills. I mean, he's not Nikola Jokic when it comes to to passing the ball, but he's above average for a big man. He can pass out of the low post or the high post. He can have the ball in the perimeter, and I think he will a little bit more this coming season than he did under Tom Thibodeau. But he, he has the most versatile and effective offensive game of any big man in the league, and it's not particularly close. You look at the majority of the big men ranked ahead of him, and that's largely due to defense. Um, there's a lot of guards ahead of him. The only big men ahead of him on this ranking are Nikola Jokic at number eight. Um, Jokic isn't actually a better defender than Towns. I think they're kind of in the same they're very different players, clearly, but they're in that same tier defensively. Um, but Jokic's his effort on defense is more consistent. Um, his he's got better footwork overall than Towns. He just isn't quite as quite as gifted, not quite as long as Towns on defense, and um, and that's why they're kind of in that same neighborhood. But Jokic's passing is so good, and his team had so much success that that gave Jokic a little bit of a higher ranking than Towns. Um, Joel Embiid is also ranked higher. He's ranked at number seven on the list. Um, his, again, his, his uh, consistency on defense and team success is what ranked him a little bit higher. Anthony Davis, obviously a very good defender at number six. Um, and and so it's hard to really to quibble too much with any of those rankings. Um, I'm not going to count LeBron James as a big man for this argument since he's not strictly a power forward. Um, and then there's Giannis Antetokounmpo, which, um, you know, he's, again, hard to count him as just a power forward because of all the things he does. But um, those are the guys who who at least could play some four or, um, you know, would guard fours on a somewhat consistent basis, ranked ahead of Towns. Um, I should say fours or fives, as Towns almost exclusively plays the five these days. Um so, you know, hard to get too upset about the ranking for Towns at number 13. That said, a strong, you know, another step towards improvement on defense, which he has shown the last couple of years, he's continued to improve. He takes another step and and continues to improve on offense um, and maybe pass the ball a little bit more, have the ball in his hands more frequently under Ryan Saunders, which I, I truly believe that he will. Then we're looking at an easy top ten ranking, and arguably, you know, if they make the playoffs, he's going to be a top five or six player. Is what he'll be considered. Is it fair that the Wolves have to make the playoffs to get him considered in that in that realm of top five or six players in the league? Not really, um, but there is something to making the playoffs. Obviously, um, if you're the clear best player on your team and your team can only manage to win thirty six, thirty seven games. It's hard to argue you're one of the best five or six players in the league. So his overall impact needs to expand. He needs to do more on defense. Um, but Towns is unquestionably the the most gifted and impactful offensive big man in the league. Um, and that is what has gotten him that number 13 ranking on SI's list. So not too much to get upset about overall with this list. It seems to be pretty, pretty accurate um, by and large. Um, so... Good job again to Sports Illustrated with their uh, with their ranking. Um, that's all we have today. Uh, upcoming, actually, we have our uh, our second division that we're gonna uh, myself and Kyle Darty are going to uh, go through the over unders on the teams. That'll be coming um, on Monday. We're going to to record the majority of the rest of those this weekend, and um, you know have those run throughout next week as we'll be within a week to ten days or so of media day and training camp, um, and then real basketball, and we'll. Uh, We'll be with you daily to uh, to talk through all of the happenings during the training camp and the preseason as we're getting so extremely close to real basketball happening um, with FIBA World Cup wrapping up here very shortly as well.
Thank you once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. And once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.